1: KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County.
2: It's time for your morning wake up call. And now, here's Jennifer Jones Lee.
0: Hello. How is everybody? Oh, I have so much to share. We wiggled and waggled and raised twenty-five thousand dollars for the Pasadena Humane Society over the weekend. And how did that happen? It was thanks to you, the amazing Wake Up Call listeners, who not just donated but also came out and walked. And uh, <laughs> there was—I had the best intentions to walk with you. I sort of blame you for the reason why I was not able to, and I will explain. Oh, yeah. You ended up making me not be able to walk with you. (laughs) But it's all good. I'll explain. All of that is coming up. Man, it's going to be hot today. We've got a heat advisory in effect for parts of the Inland Empire. I'll tell you exactly where those are expected to be. Craziest story. DNA has led to an Army veteran being charged with allegedly choking and sexually assaulting three women on hiking trails in Aliso Viejo. Hey, at 5.30, or uh, at 5.20, that is, we'll talk with ABC's Jim Ryan. An autopsy is scheduled for today on human remains found in Wyoming that investigators believe are those of Gabby Petito, the 22-year-old who disappeared while traveling with her fiancé. All these questions now. Where is her fiancé? And have you heard that there are new details coming out about a 911 call? Oh, this could be some damning evidence if, in fact, this is right. So this is coming up in just a second. Also, Johnson & Johnson just released new data on its COVID-19 vaccine and says a booster shot two months after the original dose produces four times more antibodies. So let's get right into it. An Army vet's been charged in connection with three women in Aliso Viejo who were choked unconscious and dragged into the bushes to be raped. OC Sheriff Don
1: Barnes says Robert Ucas is a cargo pilot who was arrested in Alaska.
2: Based on his pattern and practice and his ability to travel not only throughout the United States and abroad. I have no doubt that there are other victims that exist.
1: He says an anonymous tip led to DNA in a San Diego assault, which matched DNA in a Riverside assault where Yukis now lives, all which led to
2: multiple felony charges for the Aliso Viejo attacks. We can live a little safer today knowing that Mr. Yukis is no longer roaming the streets. A tip line has been set up so people can report
1: any other attacks. In Orange County, Corbin Carson, KFI News.
0: Well, Johnson and Johnson has released new data on its COVID-19 vaccine and says a booster shot two months after the original dose produces four times more antibodies. ABC's Eva Pilgrim says J&J is the latest company to make the case for boosters.
2: New data shows that two shots given two months apart resulted in 94% protection against symptomatic disease, almost identical to peak effectiveness for Moderna and Pfizer.
0: J&J says its earlier data found that waiting six months after after the first dose, produces even more antibodies. L.A. County health inspectors say from September 4th through the 10th, they check note COVID-19 protocols at 25 hotels, 45 gyms, 214 food markets, 45 bars, and 909 restaurants. They could have just said they thoroughly checked. The inspectors say most of the businesses were in compliance, but they did issue eight citations to fitness centers and restaurants for non compliance with health officer orders. That's pretty good. If you look at all of the different businesses that they went through, only eight, that's pretty good. A modified health order also requires staff and customers to show proof of vaccinations for indoor areas of bars, lounges, nightclubs, breweries, wineries and distilleries. A thousand people have died from COVID-19 in Long Beach. The city's facilities and landmarks were lit up last night in honor of those who have died. The city is also creating a digital memorial wall to remember those who lost their lives. COVID-19 has been the city's leading cause of death for the past 18 months. The preliminary hearing for a father and son charged in the death and disappearance of Kristen Smart has entered its seventh week in San Luis Obispo. Prosecutors
1: brought in a witness who in 1996 heard Paul Flores call Smart some bad names and he even implied where he had left Smart. Flores is charged with the rape and murder of the college student. Flores' father Ruben's been charged with covering up the crime. Another witness testified yesterday he used to rent a house from Ruben Flores, and when he needed plumbing repairs, Flores refused to let plumbers under the house. Prosecutors have maintained Smart's remains are or have been on property owned by Flores. The defense says the prosecution's case is like putting lipstick on a pig. A judge is expected to rule Wednesday whether to move the case forward to trial. Steve Gregory, KFI News. 506
0: on your wake-up call, KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Aaron Katursky, good morning to you. I have a feeling this isn't what we normally see at the U.N. General Assembly meeting. Hello, hi, nice to meet you. Here is your hello, my name is tag. By the way, over here, we have your free mobile COVID-19 testing and there's a vaccination station to your left.
1: Well, it, it really is unusual, but this whole pandemic has been unusual, hasn't it, Jen? And the uh, the, the city says that um, since the, the dignitaries arriving in new york are subject to the city rules uh, well then they ought to have um, you know have offered something for the uh for, for the dignitaries to get vaccinated now officially the city really doesn't have jurisdiction at the united nations but we've already seen some delegates taking advantage of the city's um, of the city's clinic I, I think i saw members of the turkish delegation getting uh getting their vaccine shots so it's does have some effect uh but they they really want to keep this from being a super spreader event uh commonly you know the the dignitaries uh, from from other countries have, have taken a night on the town they go out in new York and they just want to make sure that everybody stays safe.
0: And then you have leaders like the president of Brazil who has said, and he said it for a long time, that he does not want to get the vaccination. He got COVID-19. He says he has the antibodies. And I'm sure that there's some concern. I mean, our president is 78 years old. And even though he does have, obviously, he was vaccinated, you're putting him in the same room as a guy who has said no way to the vaccination.
1: Yeah, in fact, yeah, Mr. Biden speaks after Bolsonaro does uh, this morning, so they'll have to scrub that down pretty well. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, and but I I think what the UN is saying is it's on the honor system. You know, the city and and the mayor here called out Bolsonaro by name, saying if you're not interested in the vaccine, you really shouldn't be coming. You know, to the United Nations for for the um, you know for this. But I don't. I think Bolsonaro is terribly interested in what the mayor of New York has to say. And in fact, um, you know, the U.N. says they're not really going to check who's vaccinated and who's not. They want everyone to be vaccinated, but they don't seem to have a mechanism to actually make sure it's the case.
0: So kind of on the honor system, I guess.
1: Exactly. The honor system. And, uh, you know, I don't know how honorable, um, you know, all of these guys necessarily are, but. Ah, uh, the hope is that they're vaccinated and they're masked up, and uh, that the there was some interest in getting the UN General Assembly back to an in-person event after it was largely virtual last year. Um, the the UN, I think, has had a hard time asserting itself in in a virtual world, and and truthfully, for many of the of the diplomats doing the kinds of things that they're interested in doing, be it on climate change or 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 other agenda items you know it's 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 tough when when the world is suffering through through the pandemic,
0: okay, so we have sort of the covid side, the honor system side. Then God forbid that we do see some sort of outbreak. Is there contact tracing? How's this all work?
1: Oh, I have no idea how that's going to work. I assume the u n kind of operates on its own, like that sixteen acres is sort of an autonomous place. So I don't know if the city would come in. And do any kind of a contact trace, or whether there would be something more uh, that the UN would do on its own—it's—it's it's tough to know. I mean, what they are—they're hoping for is that it doesn't become a super spreader event. In fact, one of the—one uh, of the priorities at the UN this week is to try and figure out how to get more vaccine to more parts of the world. The—the uh, the president today is going to to highlight, you know, America's role in this. Although, you know, there's certainly plenty of division in this country that's going to, you know. I think, belie what the president says.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the reason that I ask about the contact tracing was because I thought, wait, if New York really doesn't have any jurisdiction over it, then how do you really split, you know, how do you peel this onion back? Should there be something? So let's just hope, like you said, that this does not become a super spreader event and that we don't even have to worry about the question I just asked.
1: Well, that's the, And I think I think that's kind of what they're going with, because I'm not sure there really is a mechanism for, you know, if a bunch of world leaders suddenly get sick, what you know, what they're going to, what they're actually going to do.
0: All right. Aaron, thank you so much. We'll keep an eye on it for sure. Thank you. See you later. ABC's Aaron Katursky. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because this isn't just a uh, local versus state versus federal. Oh, let's go international. And then the UN, kind of its own separate entity. Well, that's kind of a mess. All right, let's get back to some of the stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. We've got a heat advisory in effect for parts of the Inland Empire. The National Weather Service says temperatures could get as high as 105 degrees in places like Rancho Cucamonga, Corona, Fontana, and Moreno Valley. The heat advisory will stay in effect through 8 tomorrow night. The Riverside County Board of Supervisors is expected to approve a proposed emergency outdoor warning system for communities in the San Bernardino National Forest. It will alert people about wildfires and other disasters. Speakers will be put up at fire stations, schools, camps, and other places, so information about public hazards can be broadcast to people. The project is expected to take about two years to complete. A newly announced candidate for mayor of L.A. is making
2: homelessness one of her top priorities. President of the Central City Association of L.A., Jessica Law, says homelessness is the most important issue L.A. is facing. It's the issue tearing
3: at the very fabric of the city we love.
2: Her plan includes a push for more recovery housing to help people in mental health crises stabilize.
3: We will modify our affordable housing programs to get this specialized housing built fast.
2: She'd also consider raising funds to take action against other L.A. County cities who she says aren't doing their fair share. Blake Trolley, KFI News.
0: Canadians have voted Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party back into office in their parliamentary elections, but not with an overall majority.
1: You are sending us back to work with a clear mandate to get Canada through this pandemic and to the brighter days ahead. The Liberal. My friends, that's exactly what we are ready to do.
0: There you go. Needed to wait for the cheering. The Liberal Party has won most seats of any party. And the man who became famous for filming the beating of Rodney King by cops 30 years ago has died from COVID-19. George Holliday was a plumber when he caught the beating on video in Lakeview Terrace. He was 61. AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to Tuesday Morning. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee, and some of the stories we're watching in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. DNA has led to an Army veteran being charged with allegedly choking and sexually assaulting three women on hiking trails in Aliso Viejo. OC Sheriff Don Barnes says Robert Ucas is a cargo pilot living in Riverside County who was arrested in Alaska. Barnes says DNA from an attack in San Diego County matched an assault in Riverside County. He said that led to charges for the attacks in Aliso Viejo, which started last year. Ucas is expected to be extradited to Orange County within 30 days. And Johnson & Johnson has released new data on its COVID-19 vaccine and says a booster shot two months after the original dose produces four times more antibodies. J&J says it's earlier data found that waiting six months after the first dose produces even more antibodies. Let's say good morning now to ABC's Jim Ryan. So Jim, let's start off with what's expected to happen today in the investigation into the disappearance of Gabby Petito. We've got an autopsy scheduled on human remains found in Wyoming.
2: Yes and that may provide uh, solid identification uh, the body I, I don't think anybody has any doubt yet that it is the body of Gabby Petito that was discovered there in Wyoming on Sunday now uh, we're hearing that the Northport Police Department out in Florida will be back out today they plan on going back into that swampy 25,000 acre preserve searching for Brian Laundry, the uh, fiancé of Gabby Petito you know yesterday they called off the search having found nothing there at all the dogs didn't pick up a scent uh, the police there 50 officers didn't find any evidence that that Laundrie had been there but now they're going to work from an opposite direction to go into that preserve and see if maybe they can find him there uh, about a week ago he put on a backpack and went uh, walking away he told his parents he was going hiking and he hasn't been seen since
0: Okay, a 911 call surfaced. Uh, Can you explain? This just uh, kind of started to trickle out yesterday afternoon, and do they think that this 911 call was Gabby Petito and her fiancé?
2: Yes, Uh, I don't think they have any doubt about that either. Uh, the, The police in Moab, Utah, got this call, a 911 call from somebody saying that uh, this this man who placed the call saw a couple fighting. Uh, they saw a man strike a woman. Uh, they got out of the, the van that they were in, walked down the side of the road. Uh, he says that they then got back into the vehicle and drove off. Uh, The police, the Moab police, did catch up with that van and talked with both Petito and Laundrie, saying that Petito appeared to be having some kind of emotional breakdown. Uh, And in fact, that's kind of been the running theme through this whole thing, that that she was having some emotional issues at the time. But the police said that they didn't see any evidence of a domestic disturbance. They simply called it a a mental health crisis. That's why they didn't uh, demand that the two separate there on that roadway.
0: Okay, and mental health crisis are yeah. they are they attributing it to her specifically was she going through something with him i guess i'm wondering what the police who talked to them what what more that they could elaborate on
2: yeah, that I mean it, that it, it was something that she was going through at the time. Uh, that some kind of crisis. We're not really sure what, whether she was on medication or, or what the situation was there. Uh, we also know from the search warrant that was served yesterday on the parents' home there in Northport, Florida. Uh, police were looking for evidence of you know, computer files, looking for documents, looking for anything they could to try to figure out where Gabby Petito went and, and who was responsible for this. They did find a computer hard drive in the van that the couple had been driving cross-country in. Uh, But we also heard in this affidavit that was taken out as part of the search warrant that the last communication that Gabby Petito had with her family was a text message she sent to her mother in which she was talking about someone named Stan, saying that Stan was looking for help or Stan needed something. Stan is Gabby Petito's uh, grandfather. But her mother says she never would have called him Stan. She had a nickname for him like everyone has a nickname for their grandparents. Uh, so I think the the suspicion is that someone else was sending this text message that it wasn't Gabby Petito.
0: OK, so our investigators now who are searching for the fiance, do they still feel are, are they? Let's see. Are they concerned, I guess, that they're going to go into the, the, the forest and find him dead? Do they fear that he had something to do with Gabby Petito's disappearance and took his own life or something like that? Or do they fear that there is somebody out there who went after both of them?
2: Uh, I mean, anything is on the table at this point. Um, but I think that's that, that's one concern, certainly one scenario, that uh, he may have taken his own life out there in, the, in that swampy area. It's also infested with alligators and snakes oh, and other oh. animals. And some of the water is waist deep, according to the police who are going back out, out there to search today. So that's uh, one scenario that may have played out. We don't know. There was even talk that he may have left the country. So, uh, yeah, just uh, no answers about that at all. But we should have the firm identification today on those remains that were found, Jen.
0: All right. Well, we'll go from there then, Jim. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. See you later. ABC's Jim Ryan. Man, this is one of those that just twists and turns and let's throw in snakes and alligators. And could the guy have left the country? And or is there somebody who has been following that? Oh, and 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 the, the uh, text message that went to the mom. That said, Stan, who calls their grandpa by his first name? Of course, that's going to tip the family off. And I mean, you have to think to yourself, who would be whoever the bad guy is in this case, if in fact, Gabby Petito was killed, who would be dumb enough to call a grandpa by his first name and think that the family wouldn't raise an eyebrow about that? Oh, Just too many weird things not adding up. All right, I need to explain something that went down this weekend. So first of all, uh, thank you to Layla and Crozier for coming in for me. We had a little uh, little family situation. I had to run up to the Bay Area and uh, be with my family. All is well now, uh, but uh, yeah, just a little family scare, but we're all, we're all good to go. Uh, needless to say, I had to hoof it back here early Saturday morning because I thought, oh my gosh, I have this big walk. On Sunday, the Wiggle Waggle Walk that we've been gearing up for now for two months, and we have raised $25,000 thanks to all the KFI Wake Up Call listeners. And you know what's funny is we were on other shows, and don't get me wrong, other people contributed from other shows, and I'm so grateful to all the hosts who allowed me to come on and to pitch the Wiggle Waggle Walk, but it was you, KFI Wake Up Call Wigglers, and the the listeners that were the ones that put us over the top. So I I wish that I could hug every single one of you or fist bump you whatever you're comfortable with just to say thank you. I I don't I was blown away. I was tearing more than once at the at knowing that we were able to raise $25,000. It's just crazy. And Amy King, thank you for coming in. Amy was gracious enough months ago to come in and fill in for me yesterday morning because I told her, I said, with all the craziness that goes into the Wiggle Waggle Walk, will you fill in for me? And she said, of course. That's her contribution to the walk. But now, when it comes to the walk, here's what I have to explain. I kept saying I was going to walk with everybody, right? And that was my plan. And if you haven't seen the pictures of how ridiculous my husband and I and two of our four dogs looked,
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere. Playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I kind of think you're missing out. JJLKFI on Instagram. Because we went as the cat in the hat, thing mom, and of course, thing one and thing two. Complete with the blue hair and the cat in the hat and the dogs were dressed up in the whole nine yards, right? But because... You guys were so amazing and helped us raise $25,000. We were the winning team. I also ended up being the person with the most amount of donations. So they put me in a Bronco and had me be the pace car person along with the president of the Pasadena Humane Society, which was amazing and and a, a great honor, except then I didn't get to walk with everybody. So see, that's why I blame you all. See, I was a product of your success. Anyway, I uh, I apologize for not getting to actually walk with you, although I know a ton of you walked with my husband and the dogs, and I appreciate that. Uh, next year, let's still hope that we raise all the money, but I will make sure that I I, I don't end up in the pace car. Although again, great honor, and I, I was uh, thrilled to be a part of it. But it's just so funny how stuff like that happens that you don't even anticipate coming. And then it does. So that was awesome. And while you're there uh, at JJLKFI, I put a picture up of something that uh, (laughs) I did. uh, Let's see. Gosh, I don't even know how many years ago. 15 years ago. Anyway, if you guys have ever thought that I'm crazy and uh, I've told you the story about how I wrote a bull at the Grand National Rodeo and broke my arm. And I had had to ride a bull prior to that to make it into the finals at the Grand National Rodeo. It was a media competition. It's not like I had a ton of competition. Yet I think I rode the first bull for just under three seconds. So anyway, it's the best picture. And I put it up, JJLKFI. If you haven't seen it, there finally is the proof that I rode a bull. I actually rode two bulls. But this was the successful ride that got me into the Grand National Rodeo. My uncle found it at my grandma's house over the weekend. And uh, he said, I don't know that I ever saw this. I know the story, but I don't know if I ever saw it. And he sent it to me. And I thought, "Okay, all this time I've talked about the bull ride, but I've never actually shown you guys the proof. It is there. JJLKFI on Instagram. There's just some nutty stuff that got put up over the last few days that uh, I hope will confirm your suspicions that I'm a lunatic. It's all there. Now in black and white and color. Whole nine yards.
1: Down the basement. Lock the cellar baby, talk to, talk to me.
0: KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to a Tuesday. Thanks for joining me. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. A couple of the stories we're watching in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A guy's been shot and killed in a two-car crash in El Monte. But police don't know if he was shot by someone else or by himself. He was shot in the head while driving a car that crashed into a van last night. Four people in the van were injured. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department says a gun was found in the car in the car. And there was a woman in the car with him, but they're not sure who did the shooting. And San Francisco's mayor, London Breed, has made no apologies for dancing, singing, and posing for pictures at a nightclub in the city while not wearing a mask. She says people should go out and enjoy themselves. San Francisco's mandate says everyone has to wear a mask indoors, even if they're vaccinated against COVID-19. One business owner says the mayor's actions were simply unfair after all the restrictions that businesses have had to follow to remain open. All right, I've been looking forward to this interview all morning. I want to introduce you to Stanley James II, who was known on the streets as Babyface. Now, not only was he in a gang, but he and a rival gang member from Long Beach have not just changed their lives, but the two of them have joined forces through their incredible love of writing. Stanley, welcome to Wake Up Call this morning.
3: Thank you, thank you. Good morning. How are you doing?
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for getting up dark and early with me.
3: Uh no, no worries. I'll be up this time. I'm okay. an early bird.
0: Oh good. Okay, well you're better than I am. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be up this early if I didn't have the gig. That's for darn sure. So I want, please, if you don't mind, walk me back and tell me about yourself because I was reading your bio. That in and of itself should take up a whole segment.
3: Right, right. Well, well, pretty much, well, pretty much. You already introduced me. I'm Stanley James, also known as Babyface. I'm pretty much from the north side of Long Beach. On the West Coast in California, I grew up here my whole life. You know, so it ain't too much. It ain't too much. It's a lot. It's a lot going on.
0: You were a member of the Crips, right?
3: Yes, four corner block.
0: When, what? Uh, okay. So your life as a gang member, I, I, a lot of us can't even imagine what a life like that is like. Can you put it in a nutshell? I, I, I assume that you are literally looking over your back and fighting for everything on a minute-to-minute basis.
3: You're absolutely correct. Pretty much, and sum, summed up in so many words, it's the roller coaster. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs, but you're going to have a lot of downs more than ups in this game-banging world, How which you- is contagious. It's, it's, our culture is contagious around the world, so a lot of people see like the good side, the perks, the fun, the woman, the money, but they don't really see the murders. The, uh, the funerals, the drugs, the drug abuse, the physical abuse. So they just see, they just see like with the movie based, like the glamour lifestyle of this gang culture.
0: How'd you end up in a gang? How old were you?
3: I was about twelve, thirteen when I ended up. But like the the way I grew up in my section in North Long Beach is, I pretty much was born and raised here. So the gang was here before me. So I just pretty much was born into it.
0: What and how how old were you when you got out of it? And what was what was that one thing that either helped you get out or was there a person or what was it?
3: Well, for me, for me, it ain't so much of getting out. It's just getting older. Like I tell everybody, I'm a I'm a I'm a gang member. There's a difference. And I tell everybody that's like on the outside looking in at our culture. This is two different type of people in the street world is gang bangers and gang members. Gang bangers is the ones that the ones that you see on the poster boys for the get the uh, gang banger world. The ones you see on the corners, the ones you see tagging, pretty much everything you see as a game as a gang banger is what it is. Uh, now the difference between a game banger and a gang member is a gang member is someone that already been through the trials and tribulations, someone that already seen the outcome and the end game of the end end of the game. So. A gang member job is the one that's older, that's working, that's trying to guide these young young kids onto a path when, where they don't necessarily have to walk walk through, which I already did. So that's why I try to tell tell everybody this difference between a gang member and being a gang banger.
0: Okay, I want to go into how you end up going from a gang mem uh, gang banger to a gang member to an author. How in the world does that transpire?
3: <laughs> right. Well, well well after all the years I've been like I said I've been I've been game banging since I was 12 13 and I'm 31 now so after a while and after so many jail stints I've been through and like just observing all my friends that's like leaving leaving this world through the grave or through the penitentiary fast at a rapid pace it made me just sit down and realize and analyze what I've been doing like for the last 10 years and, like, where, where is it going to lead me into? Where has it led me to now? So my last jail stint, I was sitting there with an OG. He was in there since the 70s. He wow. was in jail since I wasn't even born. Wow. And he just really sat me down and just, just like, just kept uh feds putting me a uh, game about life and making me think. So when I got out, that's when it really hit me hard when I lost all my friends, my well, some of my best friends to a murder. And it made me really sit back and think, like, "Wow, I need to change that because I was supposed to be me." So that's how I really, uh, how I really came through my transition. And through the books, I always been a fan of writing. I always was a writer. I always wrote poetry. I always wrote songs. So when I was in jail with my OG, I used to always write these short stories. And then when we get to the yard and to the theater, I used to pass all my short stories around. And then that's when all the inmates. Can me write short stories and poems for they for their ladies and for their kids and whatnot. So then once I figure out like, yeah, if I got if I could get everybody in the jail rocking with me with, with my books and I mean with my stories and my poems, maybe I could really get outside and do something like for real, do it for real as a real career. So that's how my career started. And and
0: forgive me, I mean no disrespect when I say this, but I don't I don't think I ever imagined a gangbanger goes to jail, ends up in jail with another former gang member. The two of them sit right. down and come to this realization that there is something else out there. And while you are in jail, you decide, you know what, I can do something for the greater good. You're pa- I don't know what I expect goes on in the yard, but I don't expect that somebody comes out and is passing out their short stories to people. I mean, that, that to right. me is unfathomable. Right.
3: And one thing I tell everybody within them jails, it's a lot. It's a very lot of smart people that shouldn't be there. It's a lot of people in there that you think didn't have the capability of using a mind for the greater good instead of doing it for harm. And there's a lot of them across the board.
0: And you are a proof positive of that. I mean, the fact that you are in there in such a situation, in such a world, that, to me, is just incredible. Now, how in the world—so, okay, so you're in jail. You start writing these short stories. You get out. How in the world did you end up partnering with a rival gang member when it comes to <laughs> writing? How did that—how e- does that even work?
3: Well, well, when I got out, I was writing—before I partnered with, with my boy Trayvon, who was the rival. He's from 20s Script. Before I partnered with him, I've been I've been writing and taking my career seriously for like the for like the last six years. Before I even sat down with him and noticed that he started writing, it's been a while because he's been a writer too, and it's like when you know two black men when when uh, other than if you're not acting street or acting tough. You know, we we it's it's kind of hard for us to sh- to uh, show our feelings and be vulnerable in in those in those type type of aspects of writing poetry. So it's not it's not easy for us to just go to the next person like, man, I'm an author, I'm a poet, Can you check me out. You know, you know, like in reality, your homeboy's gonna laugh at you. <laughs> like, come on, bro, we got we got drugs to move, we got we got to go game back, we got other stuff to do. So just coming out that shell alone is like one of the greatest one of the greatest defeats on, on in life. So when they found out, they like, they accepted it. They, they're like, they, we, I knew what you did. I knew your history. So I want you to do something part of That's what my homeboys took to me. So then years later, after I started taking my writing, my writing was taking off. I noticed Trayvon was like on the same thing with me. So he was like writing, but it was low key. And, but he was like taking it serious. So once I really sat down and, like just analyze our future. And like man, if we could, if we could gang bang, if we could go ride on each other, go shoot at each other, go harm each other, why we can't grow up and get money together? Why we can't show these gangbangers another way? You know, so that's how me and Trayvon really came by. I seen him writing with one book, and I seen him hustling. He he was hustling it. He just didn't have all the resources in that which I do have. So then. We just had a long talk and just sit there like, man, I'm dead sweet, so let's get to it.
0: You know, I'm looking through uh, some of the the books that you have, The Bust, Live and Die by the Gun, which was published by No Breaks out of Los Angeles. Uh,
3: That was actually my very first book, which is loosely based on my life.
0: Okay, well, that one I definitely want to read because you are one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever had. And then, what are what's the uh, what's the the collaboration that you did with Trayvon?
3: Uh, Project Baby, and we were just on the news. The ABC News just aired our segment for tri- for Project Baby.
0: And he has he's moved right to Florida, but are you guys still right. in contact and still collaborating?
3: Every day. Um. He, uh, he moved to Florida and started a vegan company. Like, and one thing about, because I also signed other authors. I got, I got a, I got two other authors named Deon Hall, which is Black Bread and Bread. He got a, a poetry book, and then I also got a, a OG from Venice Shoreline. His name is James soil which I also published his book, which is called Addicted. And I got two more other books, so I also try to publish. Other authors from the R Street element. So that's one. That's one. One goal of mine when I got out of jail is to give people that 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 was in the same situations as me an opportunity which they never had. So that's oh. one of the reasons why I started my publishing company.
0: So, Stanley, tell me how people can get in touch with you. How can I find your books? Because I definitely want to read them, especially the one that is loosely based on your story. I need to know more about you. That's the bottom line.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody wants to say. Everybody says. You can, find, you can find my books everywhere, though. I'm everywhere. I'm in the streets. I'm in Barnes & Noble, Walmarts, Target. Pretty much, where a book could be sold, I would be there. If you can find books sold under a rock, my books will be there. <laughs> Well people people get in contact with me through my Instagram Arthur Stanley James 2 eyes. I'm just I'm just pretty much everywhere. I'm in the streets, lady. Oh, you
0: are a ama- if you were right here I'd be giving you a huge hug because you are one of the most <laughs> inspirational interviews I've done in a long time.
3: I oh, appreciate it. I appreciate it. I kind of
0: had a feeling you would be and boy, you just exceeded my expectations. You're amazing.
3: My father my father, listens to you guys' radio station every morning. And that's why it's an honor to be on your radio station.
0: Oh, my gosh. You tell your dad that I said it's an honor for me to know he listens. So thank you very much for that.
3: Yes, ma'am.
0: All right. Take care and best of luck to you.
3: Thank you. You too, Miss Lady.
0: All right. Thank you. See you later. That is Stanley Babyface James II. Could, okay. I don't know. I don't know that I ever sat down and thought to myself, I wonder what a gang member is like. I wonder what it's like when you're a gangbanger and you go to jail and you're hanging out with your other gangbangers in jail. And what do you guys do? I guarantee you, though, that if somebody had asked me, what do I think they do? And said, just spit the first thing out that comes out of your mouth. It would not have been poetry and short stories. I think that's what my favorite part of that interview was. Just a didn't that just peel back a nugget that you? I, I don't know what I I don't know what I thought, but I am sure glad to know that. Mm. That's why I love this job. You never know what's going to come out of these interviews, and then you have a gang member, a Crip, a former Crip on your show, and you're talking poetry. God bless America. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Handle on the news with Wayne is just around the corner. Let's get into your biz bites this morning. Brought to you by Equinox Home Financing. The answer for the self-employed, go to equinoxhomefinancing.com. Man, the pandemic has sparked a book craze. And it's not just that, uh, you know, people in my age group are getting back into this. No, no, it's actually the teens and tweens that are helping fuel this surge. So remember how we were watching as Amazon started to rise and you started to get uh, the Kindles out there and things like that. And you started to see Barnes and Nobles closing, Right. Well, now it's a I didn't know also that Barnes and Noble was one hundred twenty five years old, but it has taken it was taken private two years ago. And now it's reported double digit sales growth in books so far this year compared to twenty nineteen right before the outbreak. And they say a big reason why is because they're seeing teens and tweens actually want to get their hands on the books. And this is since Amazon came along. So they say that Barnes & Noble also is moving away from its signature green color scheme. Mm. And they say they're going to be more bright with overhead lighting and more floor space. So if you've ever gone into Barnes & Noble and you start tripping over people because they're all over the floor reading, well, apparently that's going to get better. GM says it's going to start soon fixing its Chevy Bolt EVs. Because of the fire risk as soon as next month. And I went, uh, can they start fixing them now? Cell production went down last month following two rare manufacturing issues, forcing GM to recall more than 140,000 EVs because of risk to the battery spontaneously catching fire. GM says, yes, there have been 13 battery fires globally. The automaker has identified problems and... And uh, they say they need to fix these two problems. And EV battery packs are made up of modules that hold the cells. The recall is expected to cost the retailer or the automaker $1.8 million. Just be aware that if you've got one of those EVs, that you might want to either contact your dealership and find out when they're going to start making those changes. And finally, I watched Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football last night. Uh, it's fun, but I, it's, you either watch the Peyton and Eli show or you watch Monday Night Football. It's hard to do both, but I love you, Peyton, so I'll watch next week. It's no big deal. But Peyton Manning apparently has, has his eyes on the new role in Bronco's ownership. And he's a a resident of Denver. I'm sure he's got homes all over the place, Right. But he has already spoken to two potential suitors for the team, and the Broncos aren't currently for sale, but there are owners around the NFL who believe that the ownership could take over the franchise next year, and there are estimates that the Broncos will sell for about $4 billion, which means it's good to be Peyton Manning. I mean, even if you're getting investors in on that to make the $4 billion, you can come up with people that'll give you that kind of money. Your life is good. This is KFI and K-O-S-T-H-D 2 Los Angeles. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.